Welcome to the 902 podcast, the official podcast of the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm Captain John Vick, and I want to thank you for tuning in. This podcast will give you an inside look at LSO with topics and guests to discuss public safety issues impacting Lancaster County. Be sure to subscribe for highlights on news cases and the people working for you at LSO. You can also follow us across social media by searching for at LSO Nebraska. That's at LSO Nebraska on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Today we are in studio with Sheriff Terry Wagner. Good afternoon. And Chief Deputy Ben Houchin. Hello. And we are here to discuss the ABLE program, which stands for Active Bystandership in Law Enforcement. But before we get into what ABLE is specifically, uh, I wanted to just talk a little bit about how, how did we even get to a place where we decided we needed something like the ABLE program, Ben? Well, in April of 2021, I went to the Law Enforcement Executive Development Seminar Leads, which is put on by the FBI. And one of the classes for two hours, um, they discussed the ABLE program. I had not heard of it at all at that point in time. And what they'd kind of printed down on it is like, you read it and you think, oh my gosh, this is cops telling on other cops and getting them in trouble. And I, I really walked into the class going, I really don't want to be sitting here. And that was exactly the opposite of what it was. And the whole goal is to intervene uh, prior to anybody getting in trouble and making sure people, officers don't get in uh, trouble and people don't get hurt and lose their jobs and things of that. So um, after I uh, went through that class, I came back and started the process of uh, getting LSO be part of the program. So kind of the, the background of all this or the timing of it happened to coincide with when there was a lot of civil unrest going on um, in the country, but also here locally in Lincoln, George Floyd's death in Minnesota. Sheriff, was our participation in this program a result of those things, or how would you characterize that? No, I think it was really, um, you know, what was kind of an eye-opener is that, you know, cops have been hurt or killed um, by making a mistake that somebody else may have seen and could have corrected. And, um, you know, when, when Ben and I talked about it, when he got back from Leeds, I said, there's there's no real downside to this. This is a, a great thing if we're seeing, you know, we want we want subordinates to be able to come to a supervisor or a commander or the chief deputy or the sheriff and say, you know, we're doing this. We don't think this is quite right um, and, and sort of hash through that. So it really seemed like a, the right thing to do just to give everybody a voice into making sure everything's done correctly. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll get into the specifics of ABLE here in a few minutes. But like you mentioned, you know, preventing those mistakes that can result in officer safety issues or, right. you know, injuries or, or accidents with law enforcement officers. But ultimately, and we, we've heard about it at other places around the country, but, but mistakes that lead to um, citizens being harmed as well. So Correct. That and people losing their jobs and their career and their opportunities there to have stopped that and um i think that's also huge on that point of it um you know getting the issue resolved and taken care of and and, and speaking up before it just turns bad 
So Ben, you kind of were the first one from LSO, at least to lay eyes on this program. Was there anything specifically about it when you saw it that said, I really think that this would be a good fit for LSO? Well, the one thing is, you know, what it's teaching, but two, it, it talked about the studies that they've done and people just plain not feeling like they can intervene. And um, they go over those and show those and just prove, you know, it's not that you don't want to, you don't know how to. And um, those studies that they, they, they showed us uh, hit home to me that, hey, this isn't just common sense and people just going to step in and do it. You've got to train these people to be able to do it, and that's what the class ends up helping. That's what really sold me on the program. This gives, this gives employees that license, if you would, to, to intervene and when they sometimes think that they may not or should not do that. Well, when we come back, we'll dive a little bit more into the ABLE program and what it is. Please come back, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. If you want a challenging career, a career where you can make a difference in your life, your family's life, and the lives of those in your community, come and join the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office. To learn more or to apply, visit us online at www.joinlso.com. Welcome back to the 902 Podcast. We're here to talk about the ABLE program, which stands for Active Bystandership in Law Enforcement. And the ABLE program was actually started at Georgetown University, and it was a collaborative project between law enforcement and academic researchers. And their goals for the program were to ensure that every police officer in the United States had the opportunity to receive meaningful, effective, active bystandership training. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that is specifically, but they were also looking to serve as a, a clearinghouse for research to provide guidance to police agencies and communities that wanted to develop these programs to establish standards and benchmarks for the programs they were developing and also to connect partners through the ABLE program. So I think it's important just to talk specifically about what active bystandership is and what ABLE teaches is they're trying to authorize and empower law enforcement officers to intervene in another officer's action regardless of his or her rank. But not only teaching the why behind that, I think we've known the why for a long time, but what we haven't done a great job of, Sheriff, to your point earlier, was maybe teaching people how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, not only how to do it logistically, but maybe how to be most successful in doing it but then also being able to protect those who intervene from retaliation or things like that throughout the organization. And so Ben, to your point, when you came back from Leeds, um, this was a program that you explored a little bit more. And so we identified a couple instructors within the agency, um, myself being one of them. Correct. And so we, uh, we were able to actually go and receive some training, really good training from, from Georgetown university law center. And uh, it, it was a, the better part of a week uh, was conducted over Zoom, um, but had faculty there, opportunities to, to interact with other students, other law enforcement officers who were becoming instructors from across the country. So, you know, what we're talking about today, um, we're not just we're not just reading it out of a book. We've we've lived this and have now gone through all of the initial training and, and at least one refresher course. So, uh, just looking forward to talking maybe a little bit a little bit deeper than what we can just put out on a tweet or, or social media post about it today. 
they talked a lot about this, the stakeholders that are involved. Um, we certainly focus on, on ourselves as law enforcement officers, but we'd mentioned earlier, you know, there, there's a bigger picture to this, the, the community members and just the community at large, because right now, just the reality that we're looking at is there is a little bit of a strained relationship and, and whether everything that we hear on the news or media is, is real or perceived, there's certainly some potential for distrust and, and, and harm to one another. So we're trying to do everything that we can and, and Abel's trying to help out to provide us with, with real tactics and real tools that we can use to try and prevent those mistakes and, and misconduct from happening. Uh, but also we're trying to create that, some of that communication and, and at least a, an environment where we can have interaction between local government, between businesses, and really get that flourishing through the community and building that culture. So that's that's really the what ABLE is about from a, a stakeholder standpoint. But again, it's an evidence-based program that's housed within Georgetown University Law Center. And they, they really have three main pillars of their program, and that is preventing misconduct, reducing mistakes, and lastly, promoting officer health and wellness. And as we had talked before, they're, they're really trying to harness the power of some of the academic research. And Ben, you touched on this when we introduced it, but do you remember some of the, some of the stories or maybe some of the um, examples that they'd provided about any of the research in your initial class? Yeah, you know, they kind of went over some of the things of um, kids getting assignment, college-age kids getting an assignment that they're supposed to go hurry and get someplace, and some of them weren't, and then they staged the individual having difficulties or having a problem, mm -hmm. and they studied on who would stop and help and, and the numbers and all that. And I, can re I don't remember all the exact numbers, but I was kind of appalled on the, in the numbers that people just... It, they, they could tell the guy is having issues and needs help, but they walked right by and continued mm -hmm. because they were told that they needed to get there. And those are the things that started to concern me. And these are good people. You know, this, they aren't out, out to hurt anybody and stuff, but they still did that. And that, that started to wake me up saying, okay, if they're doing this, uh, we need to be able to talk about it and uh, teach our people, hey, you need to stop and do those kind of things. I think that was the interesting thing for me when I went through the training and since then, Sheriff, was... There are, there are just ways that the human mind is wired. And even just providing our people with some awareness of those things and our, our tendencies as human beings, when we're distracted, maybe when we're overloaded with tasks, uh, we, have, we have other things that are diverting our attention and we have a tendency to maybe look by things that under perfect circumstances, we would maybe act differently. But a lot of times in law enforcement, I think we find ourselves maybe with not ideal situations less than perfect less than perfect um maybe sometimes we're, we're dealing with partial or inaccurate information and uh and and dynamic situations where they're they're either highly stressed or, or highly emotional so you know being able to have an awareness and, and understand some of the science behind that i think i think helps our folks at, le at least be aware of what's happening and, and again with able being able to provide some tools and tactics on how to respond in those situations and and understand what they can do to be more effective in, in intervening should they need to. Well, you can look at the situation that occurred down in Memphis. I'm sure they're hoping that there would have been somebody that could have intervened and stopped that whole mess and, and did not let that happen at the point. And 
that's what the this program's about is having people get there look at it and go okay we need to stop this this is this is going awry and um i don't know if memphis pd has it or not but i'm i'm going to guess that they if they haven't they wish they had had so that people could have stepped in there and did what was right and they didn't make national news and give all us law enforcement people a black eye well and i, I know that abel's abel's big aim to be able to do with this is is reducing harm to civilians and to officers. Um, they want to make sure that community members are protected, that officers are protected, and and that cities and agencies are protected because there's certainly a, a financial side to this when, when things go wrong. And not to mention, you know, the Tyree, Tyree Williams, um, you know, that was beat to death. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we can avoid that, that's uh, yeah, ab- certainly ab- the goal. Absolutely. Now, while they're trying to decrease some of those harms to the public, to officers. They're really striving to try and improve police and community relations. So by, by building that trust, fostering that cooperation, and, and just creating a safer environment for everyone. I mean, I think we as law enforcement officers, sometimes we take it for granted, but you know, when we, when we roll up on a scene, the last thing that we're trying to do is make things more dangerous. Um, but, but sometimes people do funny things, um, officers included. And, and, you know, we want to do everything that we can to try and de-escalate situations, provide safe outcomes when we can, um, and, and hopefully this gives us a few more tools in the toolbox to be able to do that. So one of the things that we had to do, Ben, um, it, it wasn't just, you know, kind of a sign on the dotted line. There was a little bit of work that went into this because ABLE has some standards for, for agencies that are involved in, in their programs. I'll, I'll list off a few of those and kind of let you let you give us your thoughts. But I know one of the one of the big ones that we had to start out with was some accountability with the community. So we actually had to get some letters from, from various folks. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I reached out to the Lighthouse and the Asian Community Center and um, talked to them about the program, uh, why I wanted to get involved into that, and um, asked them to write a letter for us as the Sheriff's Office supporting us in going into that program. Yeah. And that, that was really kind of a way so that we could build some of those partnerships. And, and those were partnerships that we already had, fortunately. Yes. Um, but we definitely you know, want to leverage those because we're not doing this alone. I mean, we're doing this with other groups throughout the community and, and want to be accountable to them when we're putting some of these changes and, and, and culture things in place. Sheriff, I know that you also had to submit a letter as an agency head and had to work with the county board to get some of this stuff done. Do you want to talk about that? Well, it just it really is... It's sort of like what we're doing right here. It's just explaining the program, explaining the benefits, um, answering any questions that people might have about the ABLE program and, and how it can can be a, a real benefit to the citizens and to uh, the deputies in our office. That and then we are dedicated to getting every sworn officer or deputy um, trained the eight hours and then that they're going to get the retrainers every two hours. Right. So you had to write that, that, hey, yeah. you as the head is going to do that. We're going to make that commitment. Yep. Yep. And um, uh, in my role, I serve as our, our ABLE coordinator for our agency, so that, that brings a number of duties with it. But Very ABLE, ABLE coordinator, yes. I might add. Well, yes. I, I appreciate you saying so. <laughs> um, we'll, and and we're just, we'll just go right on with that because we're actually using the podcast to, to complete one of those tasks, which is promoting our program. And, and there's people within our agencies that, that are going to listen to this, but also um, members of the public. And we, we want to be open and transparent with them about what we're doing. And, and you know, we want to build that continued partnership through, uh, through what we're trying to do. 
internally within LSL, one of those other standards is being able to support this kind of culture of intervention through policy and practice. So we actually had to build this into some of our policies with a, a policy for the program itself, but also kind of an anti-retaliation policy. And then Sheriff, one of them was also a requirement that we consider interventions as a mitigating factor when you're imposing discipline. What, what might that look like when, when you are dealing with a disciplinary situation, but you see as a part of the investigation that, you know, maybe, maybe someone was partway down the road, but they, they didn't go as far down the road as they maybe could have because they were, they were open to an intervention by a coworker. How, how might you consider that in discipline? Well, you know, we have a number of criteria that determines the level of discipline if we have any sort of uh, policy violations or that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the considerations that, that I look at is um, the mitigating, mitigating factors. And if, you know, somebody makes a mistake and they can correct themselves and not carry that mistake through to its final end, that's huge. Um, so it, that's a really good thing. And likewise, if we have an employee who is, has, a, has a superior officer and, and they get into a discussion um, about right, wrong, ethical, unethical, and the superior takes retaliatory, retaliatory uh, action against the employee, then we need to look at that as well and figure out what's going on there. Absolutely. I mean, and I'm sure anybody that's listening can relate to this. I mean, just because we're cops, we're no different than than people in other lines of work. Um, you know, whether you're whether you're pilots, uh, whether you're working in an emergency room, um, operating room. Sometimes there are there are rank structures, whether they're they're directly implied, like by the ranks on our on our uniforms, or maybe more indirectly uh, suggested based on, you know, whatever, whatever your role is. And sometimes it's hard to go up to someone who, who outranks you either in perception or reality and say, I, I think that we're making a mistake here. I think we're doing something wrong because let's face it. We all have egos. Um, you know, no, none of us wants to think that we're, that we're doing things wrong, but when we, when we can create that culture that we're, you know, we're all in this together and we're, we're trying to do things for the right reasons in the right way. Hopefully we can get to a place where, uh, where people are, are more willing to accept those, and that's part of our training. Yeah, and some of it, too, is, is sometimes you're in a situation, somebody gets under somebody's skin, and mm-hmm. it's uh, just not going well. And just because you're a ranking officer doesn't mean that can't happen to you, and having somebody step in, move you out, and then take over, and so that nothing escalates. Yep. And usually it can start to de-escalate, and that could be hard for a um, – deputy to do that to a sergeant and so on up, but it certainly can save uh, a lot of heartache down the road. One of the other standards of the program is a, a focus on promoting employee wellness. Uh, and, and we do have some wellness programs here at the sheriff's office. We're not perfect, uh, but we're, we're really trying to make some strides in, in that area. And a lot of those have to do with, with identifying those resources that are available to our people we have some resources that are already available. We have others that are really in progress right now that we're, we're trying to further refine and develop. Uh, but also just be able, being able to provide not only access to those resources, but, but really a culture where 
we're trying to blunt that stigma because there is a little bit of stigma for reaching out for help for some of these things. Oh, especially with mental health, of course. You know, we talked about that on another podcast, but it, it is. I mean, um, I, I'm sure when the sheriff started, and I know it when I started in 93, it looked weak if you reached out for help. Yeah. And um, you certainly didn't want people to know, and they, you got considered of being less Mm-hmm. If uh, you had to do that and that stigma needed to go away just because you're asking for help doesn't mean a weakness or anything else. And a lot of times it can save a career and get somebody back to where they were instead of keep going down the spiral. So there's a couple other standards on here. I mean, there were no new intervention reporting requirements as part of this. Able asked us to change nothing about what was required to be reported before and, and what's been required since. There's been some other statutory changes that have had an impact on us, but uh, we, we also cooperate with Georgetown University on data and research when they request us to do that. And and just the reality and that this is a, a commitment to a sustainable program. The, the ABLE program is really never complete uh, just because we've done the initial eight hours of training. This is something that we're trying to embed at our agency and within our culture, and and it's it's never just over, uh, but hopefully something that uh, that we continue with. So... So as we talked, there is, you know, a, a commitment to ABLE, which is the, you know, the standards and the letters of support. But then that ongoing training piece of the eight hours of training for agency officers uh, and, and for our leaders, I mean, it really started with, with you guys. You, you were in the first class that we had here, and, and ABLE really wants that buy-in sheriff from, from the top on down. And uh, so when we, when we did this, we rolled it out to command staff and supervisors first. Yes, and and then rolled it on down to all of our our certified staff from there, and, and we've also offered it up to our civilian staff too, um, because really they're they're working right alongside with a lot. Yeah, of and I, I think that's good. Now, Able does not require us to do it, but we as an agency have made that a commitment that we want, if not all, as many as we possibly can of the civilian staff to go through that. So, like we've touched on before, Able is based on decades of research field studies um, by a professor, uh, Irvin Staub, and and some other experts in the field. There's been other programs that have been successful, like we talked about in, in those other professions, um, including including the medical profession. But there was also a predecessor to ABLE, which was known as the EPIC program that started out of the New Orleans Police Department in uh, 2015. So again, while there, there might be some coincidental timing, this was not simply as a result of George Floyd. Um, this is not as a result of any high-profile you know, incident in law enforcement in particular, but it's, it's by cops for cops. And, and well, they had a major issue down in new Orleans yeah. and on corruption and use of forces and, and things. And, uh, that's where, like you said, this, uh, able got its initial, um, start at, but yeah, they, they knew they had to do something cause, um, that, that agency was in trouble. So there's a quote from Dr. Staub in some of the materials that are put out by able, but, it, it says, active bystandership training requires a culture change. The meaning of good teamwork has to be redefined from its usual meaning among police officers that you support anything your fellow officer does to protecting everyone by stopping a fellow officer from unnecessarily harming people. And again, that's from uh, Dr. Irvin Staub, who's on the ABLE uh, Project Board of Directors and uh, behind a lot of the research that went into this. And I think that says a lot of, of just really kind of changing that that paradigm or that, that culture shift 
to go away from, and we talk about this in the class about what loyalty means. And sometimes it's a difference between telling people what they want to hear, because that's, that's really not maybe true loyalty. Sometimes loyalty means telling people what they need to hear. Sometimes that's not always a comfortable, right. comfortable conversation to have. You so, know, I think anybody that's been in this, in this business long enough can look back and think, I remember that incident and I probably should have stepped in and that would have, it would have saved somebody from getting injured or saved somebody from, from making a mistake that could get him jammed up on the job, you know, any of those kind of things. And you, you think about those things and you think, wow, I should have said something then. And, and mm-hmm. I didn't because the guy was older, he was a more seasoned employee, he was a supervisor, a number of reasons that you could justify for not jumping in and, and uh, trying to correct that situation. And, and so this, this really gives, gives employees the ability to do that. And we talk about that in the training and the, the researchers have identified those things that you were talking about, Sheriff, as inhibitors or, or basically reasons or obstacles that get in our way um, from from doing what we might otherwise hope we would mm-hmm. do. And so we're, we're trying to give our, our staff that awareness and, and seeing those things in themselves, working through some of those those inhibitors and figuring out ways to be effective and, and work around them. Well, yeah, and, you know, when there's two or three different other people there and nobody else is stepping in, it makes it really hard for, you know, do, to do that. And that's one of the inhibitors is, well, nobody else is doing anything about it. I'm, I must be wrong on what I'm thinking. Yeah. There's a, there's a quote, and again, in some of the materials from a, a social activist in the New Orleans area named Ted Quant, and, and he says, quote, active bystandership creates stories that will never be told because nothing happened, unquote. And I think that's really true. If if we're doing this right, nothing happens. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. it's hard to measure those results, but uh, yeah. But but no news is good news uh, in law enforcement, I guess. Well, like we've talked about before, you know, our agency, our size, you know, we'll have, you know, three, four, five citizens' complaints through the whole year with uh, sworn officers of eighty-four. So, you know, our people were doing it really well prior to ABLE, and with ABLE, I think they're going to be able to do it great. So like we said, we're, we're certainly doing our, our fair share of, of the lifting on this within our agency, but, but we're not doing this in a vacuum. We're doing this in a community. We have partners and stakeholders in the community like we talked about. So how can you help? What, what can you do in, you know, in the community as a community member? And, and just some suggestions, but to educate yourself about active bystandership in general and the ABLE program in particular, if you live in a community where ABLE doesn't exist or, or isn't an active program, maybe introduce that to your local law enforcement agency. Uh, here in Lancaster County, we're, we're fortunate, and I appreciate you two being you know, forward-thinking leaders and, and recognizing that there's a need for this here. And, and there's some communities that uh, just either haven't heard of ABLE yet or, or, or haven't figured out a way to implement it. And so definitely encourage you as a community member, if, if you don't have ABLE in your community, talk to your law enforcement agencies about that. And then also just just lean on your networks and, and promote and endorse ABLE in your community if you do have it. And, uh, and we'd, love to, we'd love to partner with community members on that. Faith organizations are another group that ABLE encourages us to reach out to. So if, if you are a part of a faith organization, you know, educate your congregation about ABLE, and, and including the many police agencies across the country that have opted into the program. We're, we're one of you know, several hundred now across the country that are a part of this, but we were one of the first three in Nebraska uh, to I, I think we were second UNL uh, police department. I think we were doing it about at the same time. I think they got yeah. certified 
just a little bit before us. Yeah, and I, I, and there, there could have been some, you know, since we came on, but, but the three I know of are the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office here, uh, the University of Nebraska Police Department, and then the Alliance Police Department out west. So. I believe Carney is too now. Okay, so Carney would be another one that's coming on board. Well, we'll have to talk with Chief Waugh about that maybe in an upcoming episode when we have him on. So, yeah, and I know the. FBI National Academy Association is um, big in sponsoring ABLE at this point in time and have taken them under their wing as being part of their training programs. You know, and another thing, if, if you're a part of a faith organization or, or any community organization, would be to just talk with the law enforcement agency about maybe being that letter of reference for them. Um, whether you have an existing relationship or can start a new relationship, uh, we do, you know, agencies need those, those letters of support and that, that ongoing support to, uh, to stay as members of the ABLE program. Talk to your elected officials, city councils, county boards. Uh, their support is also vital in making sure that this, this program is rolled out successfully. And then, of course, just partnering with your law enforcement agency leaders, your, your chiefs of police, your sheriffs, to be able to bring ABLE to, uh, to your community. As far as law enforcement, we try to spread the, the word about this within our own circles as well. And, and there is an ABLE website um, through Georgetown University Law Center, so we'd encourage people to go there. But we also do try and share this and both the content, uh, at least exposure to it. But as instructors, we're also available to go and teach other agencies so long as they're they're approved by the ABLE program to go and do that. Yeah, you know, uh, we here at the Sheriff's Office always want to be a resource agency in many different ways. And this is just another way we can go about in doing that and helping agencies. Absolutely. Well, that's really the, the nuts and bolts of the ABLE program for uh, a really quick down and dirty on what the program is and, and what benefits we and, and our community here in Lincoln derive from it. But any other closing thoughts, Sheriff? No, I just think, uh, you know, if somebody wants to have more information about ABLE besides going to their website, I think, you know, if they have a group uh, and they'd like to have a presentation, we'd be glad to do a, uh, you know, a thumbnail sketch for their group of what ABLE is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that is all the time that we have for the 902 podcast today. We want to thank everybody for listening in. As a reminder, we do have ongoing career opportunities, which you can learn more about at joinlso.com. Next time on the 902 podcast, we'll be visiting with former LSO chief deputy and former LPD chief of police, Jeff Blymeister, for a true crime case review of the and true homicide. We hope you'll join us for that. Be sure to subscribe to the 902 podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you enjoy podcasts to catch that episode and all of our others. Lastly, you can reach out to us on social media at at LSO Nebraska or via email at lso at lancaster.ne.gov. Thanks for listening.